Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 149. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Christian Lee Hudson. The singer-songwriter from Los Angeles recently released his gorgeous fourth studio record, entitled Quitters. In today's episode, we're speaking with Christian about how this record builds from his previous album, Beginners, collaborating with Phoebe Bridges and Connor Oberst, and how Elliot Smith influenced his music. Here we go. Our guest today is a songwriter from Los Angeles, California, who you might know from his solo work or from his work collaborating with artists like Boy Genius and Better Oblivion Community Centre. Having released one of the best records of 2020 with the record Beginners, he recently released the gorgeous follow-up, which is entitled Quitters. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Christian Lee Hudson. Hello, how are we? I'm pretty good, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for your time today, Christian. Oh, you cut out for one second. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Sorry, we we're dealing with the venue Wi-Fi here, but <laughs> That's all I've good. got um, you now. Beautiful. I know you just mentioned um, you are about to play uh, a show in an, in an hour or so. I believe you're currently on tour with Bright Eyes at the moment. Yeah, that's right. How is that? Uh, how's that all going? Oh, it's been so fun. I mean, I, I love that band. I never got to see them play when I was a kid, but I always wanted to. Um, I could just never get tickets. All their shows sold out before I could get tickets. And uh, it's just cool to get to see them for the first time, uh, like a million times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it's definitely making up for those previous times where you've missed out. It definitely is. I mean, they've got a whole like orchestra with them too. So it is a pretty wild stage setup. It's the most intense version of them probably to have seen. That's, that's incredible. I am a very big, uh, bright eyes fan myself. I'm not going to, I won't make you go through. I might have a bright eyes tattoo on my person. Um, (laughs) I won't show you that. Um, but for yourself, do you have a, a favorite record of theirs that kind of stands out? Um, I have, I think I really like, I don't know. I like a bunch of them a lot. I like lifted. I like, um, I like, uh, you know, the, I love digital ash. I love I'm wide awake. It's morning. Uh, I, the record that came out first after I found out about them was Casadega. And I, I, I think that was not the 
it's not a fan favorite usually of theirs, but it has probably my favorite Bright Eyes song on it is uh, Classic Cars. Oh, yeah. That's um, a brilliant song. Um, That's like, we won't harp on too much about Bright Eyes, but yeah, that, that record, almost kind of what you're saying with them carrying an orchestra around with them now, that's probably their most maybe orchestral kind of album or studio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I love Gillian Welch and Dave Rawlings play on that song, and I'm a huge Gil and Dave fan too. That's right, yeah. That is um, a very classic, classic album. But we are here today to talk about your brand new record, which is out now, Quitters. Uh, Congratulations, firstly. This is a a brilliant record. Thanks so much, Simon. No, of course. Um, uh, Firstly, I wanted to touch on the title because your previous record, Beginners, came out in 2020, which was um, a fantastic record. Um, for anyone who didn't catch that the first time around, we'll put the link to that record in the show notes of this podcast. But um, I'm, I'm kind of curious, you've gone from beginners to quitters with no middle ground. Um, I guess, where did the, the title for this one come from? Well, you know, we were joking that beginners felt like my first record and quitters will be my last record. So it's just... <laughs> <laughs> um, we just kind of thought it would be funny. I mean, there are several lyrics that mention quitting or, you know, like the things like that. Um, and we had like a ton of different working titles for the album. And uh, I don't know, it just felt like that would be the funniest and the most, um, you know, felt like it shared a universe with a lot of the beginner's world, but in a, like the flip side of it. So, Yeah. Of course, I feel like um, the the music for yourself and um, for anyone who might follow yourself uh, on on any form of social media is that there is, uh, I'd say maybe like a touch of dark humor in a number of things that that you do. Um, I'm curious when you are, because Critters, I think now with the explanation that you've given it, it does give that context to it in terms of. Um, it could be interpreted not as a joke, but that it also has that element for yourself. When you're looking at album titles, is there anything that you kind of look at and you're like, oh, no, that's too jokey or that's no one will get that or that's too oh, on yeah, the nose? I mean, or, yeah. <laughs> you should have heard some of the – I mean, the problem with album titles actually usually – yeah, usually I'm like they're too jokey or not jokey enough. I think at <laughs> one point – Phoebe had wanted me to call it Christian singles, which that was a big running joke for this record <laughs> and my last record. And I was like, Oh, it's a little too jokey. And then I had come up with a bunch of other ones that were just like too serious. It's hard to find strike the balance between being like, uh, too serious and too much of a, like, this is a novelty kind of record, um, title. Of course the, um, the record itself is, gorgeous it's um i feel that it kind of builds on that previous record it builds on beginners and it's still very much quintessentially a a christian lee hudson record but there's little flourishes um there's touches of i think maybe instrumentation that wasn't there previously i know that um nate walcott i think from bright eyes also plays on one or two tracks for you was that uh, a conscious kind of step of like wanting to build sonically on, on that previous record. 
I think the biggest thing was, I mean, generally with this record and the last record is to keep it as simple as possible to make sure that it sounds like people in a room playing music and not too like overcooked. Um, so I think, yeah, I, the, the only difference I guess with this one is we wanted to make it sound even more, uh, just real and have like mistakes on it. I think we are all used to making records in the year 2022 where you can edit out any mistake in a computer really easily. So we intentionally chose to use, to record it tapes so that we didn't, um, you know, it was harder to correct mistakes. We all love like the replacements and that the spirit of that type of uh, music where you just will have like a something that it really bad. You'll just have like some mistakes, uh, you know, mixed really loud in the mix and they're just like, yeah, we can't fix it or whatever. I, I don't know. We wanted to have some kind of uh, some of the spirit of the those records um, on it. And like Elliot Smith records, like a lot of his earlier records where they're also to tape and just very, um, you know, as good as he is, you can hear like string noise and just things that are not so easily polished. Um, but yeah. hundred percent. I think the, sometimes there's it's terribly cliche, but sometimes there's perfection in the imperfection. As you said, like Elliot Smith, I think, um, Damien Rice oh, might yeah. be one in like the mid 2000s where it's just, you can hear the weird odd noises or nuances in the background of those songs. And that's kind of what gives them the intimacy. Totally. Yeah. It feels real and alive and like it's happening right now, not like in a controlled environment that feels sterile and, um, you know, on a grid or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, the album you mentioned, Phoebe. Um, uh, the album was co-produced by Phoebe Bridges and uh, Connor Oberst, who you're with uh, at the moment with Bright Eyes. Um, what was that experience like compared? I know Phoebe herself produced um, Beginners. What was the experience like this time around having co-producers with as those two people? It was fun. I mean, I they are both really close friends of mine, so it just it didn't feel much different than just any other day that we would be hanging out. It just happened to be that with well, those days we were, you know, working on getting clean, good versions of, of some of my songs. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I mean, a thing about working with both of them is just knowing that you're with people who care about it and also happen to be like fantastic songwriters it gives you a little bit of confidence to, to you know that your song deserves to exist in the world <laughs> you know <laughs> if they're if they're uh, if you're a person who might have any doubt about that which i sometimes you know will toil over something and be like oh, i don't know if this is good enough so i think that having both of their support in that realm um and just like small production ideas they're both kind of the type of producers like let's put drums on this, not like this is the whole arrangement. They're they're They are very good at um, letting all the musicians sound like themselves and then just making sure we get a good take of it, which I personally love. That sounds very cool. Um, I think 
uh, previously had been quoted saying that when you felt some um, kind of anxieties about some of the songwriting that Connor helped in kind of calming those or at least just helping you address them, as we just discussed. For sure, there were definitely... Yeah, (laughs) there were some things where... Oh, yeah. There were definitely some things where I would be like, oh, like, I don't know about this lyric or whatever, and be like, that's my fucking favorite lyric, you know, whatever. It's just things where it'd be like, okay, like, that is a good... Um, just a nice guide as I was editing things down or whatever and, and helping me feel confident in what I was keeping and what I was ditching. Yeah, of course. The the I guess the working relationship, I know you said that they're like friends and so it makes working with them easy. Uh, do you find collaboration easy with everyone or do you think that that friendship helps? Because I know you've previously worked. I'm not sure if you can see behind me. There's a... um better oblivion community center record and which you contributed to um i think two of the songs on there as well yeah does that working relationship kind of come easily to you i think so i mean it yeah it is so much easier i do collaborate with a lot of people but it is so much easier when you're already friends and you have that trust there because there's a type of vulnerability i think that comes to working with people that you have to be comfortable sounding stupid or whatever, having bad ideas, and that can sometimes be hard to access with new people unless you just, you know, sometimes you get on famously with someone the second you meet them. And, but I think that that is kind of rare um, for me. So the things I definitely have the most fun collaborating with or the people I have the most fun collaborating with are just people where I would hang out, we would be hanging out regardless of whether or not we are working on a record or writing a song. One of the tracks off this new record, uh, Rubberneckers, you co-wrote with Australian Alex Leahy, who um, it, it's a brilliant track. And after discovering that Alex uh, co-wrote the song with you, I could kind of hear both influences in the song, if that makes sense. It sounds both like a Christian song and an Alex song at the same time somehow. Um, how did that kind of collaboration come about in terms of you and Alex meeting, but yeah, what was that experience like of, um, working with her? I met, um, I met Alex. I love Alex. I met her at, um, a Bonnie Vare listening party for whatever the last Bonnie Vare record was in LA. And she needed to ride home back to her Airbnb (laughs) and she (laughs) hopped in and I was just, we, uh, yeah, we just became really fast friends. And, um, early on in COVID we had done a few, zoom writing sessions just to like kind of hang out talk and see if we could write a song and rubberneckers was one of the ones we did we just kind of messed around with the music for a long time and originally it had different um lyrics to it and then yeah i just kept you know it was one of those things that where the sometimes when a melody is really catchy you catch your thoughts all happening in the melody and the meter of the you know the the lyrics and the or the the melody and the meter of the melody wow uh <laughs> um but uh yeah it was really fun i mean yeah she's just a friend and i love her music as well and it's another one of those instances of like you know it being a good fit because we would just you know go hang out in a park or a bar or something uh anyway so 
uh, easy to sound stupid in front of her. <laughs> and I feel like vice versa. <laughs> no, that's very fair. I think um, sometimes working relationships do work, yeah, work better with that kind of friendship um, foundation underneath it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, I'm curious how you kind of found the pandemic in terms of, well, I guess songwriting, I guess, as, as you're following up um, Beginners, which was released in 2020, how did you find that whole kind of experience of, um, I guess, writing at home or, or working online and whether that's something that you'd, you'd previously done before um, everything kind of shut down? I had definitely never worked with anybody online or remotely, I don't think ever, unless it was like a, you know, occasionally I'll like record remotely a guitar part for somebody. But I think having to do it during COVID was, yeah, I don't know. There were a couple of people that I wrote uh, songs with on this record. My friend Al Minnie, who was the singer of this band, Great Grandpa, um, and I became friends during the pandemic as well, and also did a, pun- a bunch of just Zoom hanging out and writing sessions before we even met, actually, for the first time in person. And um, I don't know, it was weird, but also a nice, I, I think like everyone else, we were all coming up with creative ways to like split up our time among the different areas of whatever space we lived in. (laughs) So I'd be like, okay, afternoon, I need a little change of pace. I'm going to face my chair this way. Um, (laughs) And then that's like going to a whole other place. Um, It was hard though. I mean, I definitely, I, I retreated into reading books, a lot of books and watching a lot of films and television to get, I feel like I was reacting to something, uh, whereas I feel like in the past, generally I would write a lot when I'm on tour, when I feel like I'm experiencing a lot every day and meeting new people, seeing new faces, hearing new stories. So, yeah, I, it was a little bit different. It was more challenging. I also felt like I had a lot less time to work on something than I wrote the songs for beginners over the course of probably like eight years. And... Um, yeah, but um, I think it ended up being good for me. It was definitely... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. An exciting process, otherwise, I probably wouldn't have made another record <laughs> so soon. <laughs> That's very fair. Um, I'm, I'm curious what you just mentioned in terms of, um, 
I guess, using other forms of media to kind of give you those experiences and, um, and I guess take your mind out of just what you were doing anyway. Um, what single is it? It is, I think it's strawberry lemonade and I could be wrong. So I'm very sorry in advance if I am, uh, one of the songs touches on, I guess, um, people, uh, using nostalgia for the past and kind of just re using that. Is it strawberry lemonade that is addressing yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, that is. Yeah. How did you um? Yeah, that find... song. Sorry, yeah. I was gonna say with that song, it it is like um, yeah. I don't know that that nostalgia for I don't know. There's a lot of feels like every three years. I had a friend who was talking to me about it's like every two or three years. There's a new like Beatles documentary or box set or <laughs> or like a fucking Bob Dylan something or you know like. I don't know. I just thought his perspective was kind of funny on the um, like boomer obsession with just repackaging their youth over and over (laughs) and over again and selling it back to us. It's kind of a a cynical look at it. That's, that is true. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it, I don't know. I really like to write lyrics that make me think that that I continue to think about after that aren't making like a final statement about something, but that make me continue to think about something for long after, um, without taking a position on it necessarily. And that's one that I'm still thinking about. I'm like, if, you know, like you don't see people necessarily really doing that for, um, you know, there's not like a Pearl Jam box set every year. There's not like other decades and generations don't necessarily do the same thing. And it makes me wonder, um, you know, just about what we value, why we value music. Do we value it because it's so familiar and we're just inundated with it? Or do we value it um, because it just is that good from the beginning? I don't know the answer though. (laughs) It's a very interesting kind of thought process to, um, to consider. And I do, I know, I think the song kind of addresses that, or at least has that idea uh, very well. And I think the, um, it is, as I kind of touched on before, the record is gorgeous. And I think that, um, I was trying to explain to someone recently, um, we were talking about your forthcoming record and, and I mentioned that, uh, I had seen, uh, yourself play, I think it was 2019 when you supported Phoebe, um, down here in Australia. And I uh, was trying to explain like what, what you sounded like, I guess, you know, it's easy to make comparisons to artists. And I was saying, um, how, if I had to give like a quick summary that it would be the Elliot Smith of kind of 2020s. Um, in terms of like the songwriting, the the vocal delivery. Um, I know that you're an Elliot Smith fan as well. And I know that you, I think, have a bit of a, um, a special spot for EXO. And I believe also Elliot Smith helped you get into music originally. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge Elliot fan and we we got to use uh, actually the, the Mellotron that Nate used on this record to do... We since we were making it to tape, we had a limited amount of tracks and couldn't do like string arrangements. So we had borrowed this Mellotron from the head of my label that was used on a bunch of Elliott Smith uh, stuff. 
And that was like our nice little way to keep it in vibe. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm a huge Elliot fan. Um, that was definitely the first, like, that was my biggest, like, guitar teacher, him and, like, John Prine. And, um, you know, like, even though he's not a guitar player, like Randy Newman, the, to, like, learning his piano parts on guitar, all of those things, I think, help shape the way that I play, at least in the way that I think about songs for the most part. Um, I'm a huge fan. It is hard for me. Sometimes I'm like now... I, I'm I'm aware of the glaring differences between me and Elliot. I I don't think that he had very much of a sense of humor in his songs, and so uh, it's very funny for me to. It's the the comparison is funny to me now because I'm like, oh well, my songs are just like a fucking dumbass has got to work in some <laughs> a little gut puncher in there. Can't just sing about the moon for three and a half minutes or whatever it is. <laughs> But yes, I'm a huge fan. Do you um, do you remember? I guess as you were saying, he helped you kind of learn uh, how to play guitar or these songs. Do you remember that first kind of initial thought of of wanting to play guitar, wanting to write songs, and when you wrote your your first kind of bit of music? Totally. I mean, I was probably 13, 14 years old. Uh, Maybe younger than that. It was like right around the time that I got a guitar that I started listening to Elliot. And um, definitely, you know, like I feel like for a lot of songwriters, at least that I know, your first, maybe your whole life of writing songs is really just trying to learn other people's songs and figure out how to copy them in order to like figure out what they're doing or what trick can be mined from it. And then just slowly learning song structure or whatever. And what the limits and boundaries are and how to, you know, just how to put something together. Um, I definitely, the first couple things I probably wrote was just my, the simplest version of what I thought like an Elliot Smith uh, song was, but I used to make all of these, like I had a Tascam four track recorder when I was in high school, middle school, high school. And I would, collect like all the covers I had learned and songs that I had written, you know, that were just really just fragments of things at the time. And every few months or so I would uh, make a little album and then I would pass it out to kids at school and stuff like that and do little kind of shitty hand drawn artwork on it. Um, But it was all just like trying to, you know, you imitate stuff like Elliot Smith or Bright Eyes or, um, yeah, I really liked this band, Ockerville Ripper, when I was in high school. I still like that band a lot. Um, but, yeah, just kind of trying to imitate all these people that you listen to and see what, you know, what you, uh, how to, how you build it. Yeah. That's very cool. I'm, I I wonder, have you had anyone contact you since with, because um, I imagine that those are kind of like collector's items now or like <laughs> has anyone come forth with the uh, the original? Uh, actually, 
two days ago, probably like two days ago, a friend of mine from high school sent asked me asked for my email address, and I and he sent me some. I'm too scared to listen to it, but he sent me, <laughs> I guess, some songs that he found on his computer. Um, you know, just like marked with my name that I'm like, Oh God, what is this <laughs> going to be? Um, I feel like I have a good memory for what, cause I'll even sometimes go back and steal something from when I was writing songs back then. Like I'll see, steal a melody or something that, uh, that I'm like, Oh, that actually was really cool. Um, and now with like a little bit more musical knowledge under my belt, there's a cool way to do something with it. Um, but yeah, I, I've occasionally some, I know some people out there have some of that stuff. It would be hilarious to hear more of it and I would be mortified. I'm sure. <laughs> we won't try and solicit anyone to send anything through. We'll try and keep it as, uh, as dormant <laughs> as possible. Um, I mean, to each, you know, like I, I can't control it. Whoever can have whatever it's all out. <laughs> it all exists. <laughs> Um, Christian, as we mentioned, uh, you got, uh, you were here in 2019 with, um, international touring back on the cards in Australia and we're starting to see more us acts kind of come through and with this new record, could we expect to, um, to see you in Australia at any point kind of soon or within the next year? I hope so. I mean, I, we, I, we haven't talked about it yet, but I, that's definitely a part of the plan. I loved when I got to come down there and play shows um with phoebe and i've been wanting to come back to that side of the world and and do some things again i have so many good friends that live there and play julia jacqueline who i also see is behind you is a great pal of mine and um yeah i'm I'm, i am always wanting to uh get back over there so i think that we're going to figure out how to make that happen um when it makes sense please please i know that um there's a lot of people here that are excited to to kind of see you come down and tour. I know you mentioned Julia Jacqueline. Uh, where we're based in Adelaide is the, um, or South Australia is where I believe possibly your, or maybe better oblivion work wife, Emily Retzis is from as well. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I know several people from Adelaide, actually. Emily Retzis is from Adelaide. There's a, another great bass player who lives in Los Angeles, Anna Butters, who's from Adelaide. She played on my first record. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. It's, it's, we're a small town, but we've, we've got some things going for us. <laughs> You're pumping out bass players left and right. I know that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We've got, we've got um, yeah, we actually are. That's kind of weird, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, Christian, uh, usually we'd uh, ask, I guess, what they're currently listening to, if there's anything at the moment that's kind of taking your fancy um, on your record player, on your streaming service, whatever it may be. Totally. Um, I have been listening to a lot of the, um, Howdy. You know that band? They put out a record in the last year. It's H-O-V-V-D-Y. Um, I've been listening to a lot of their new record, Um and they actually, one of the songwriters came last night to our show here in the States and, and we played a Howdy cover. Um, but I've been listening to that a lot. I've been listening to um, the, there's a band from Seattle called Drench Fries that just put out an EP last week, I believe, that I really have been enjoying um, in a kind of similar vein. Uh 
beyond that, I've been listening to like a, an embarrassing amount of pop country just to get some laughs in throughout the day. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with pop country at all. No, we just try to find the most ridiculous pop country song we can to put on in the van. <laughs> I know. Um, I think previously uh, you had covered. Speaking of pop country, you'd covered Shania Twain with Julia Jacklin. Yeah, your uh, yeah, that was um, a fantastic cover. Thank you. <laughs> that was um, um, that was Julia's choice. <laughs> not not a bad choice at all, um, Christian. Thank you very much for your time today. I do appreciate it. Congratulations again on Quitters, um, and yeah, thank you for coming onto the podcast. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me, Simon. that's our show a massive thank you to christian lee hudson for his time quitters is out now and with the links in the show notes if you'd like to buy the record we also want to give a huge shout out to dave at diamond creative services for helping out with today's interview if you like this show please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released we release new shows each wednesday and friday morning and we now have a patreon which you can find within the show notes of this episode you can follow the playlist profile on spotify and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.